Chapter Twenty Four of the Wife of the Secretary of State. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. The Wife of the Secretary of State by Ellen Middleton Tybout. Chapter Twenty Four. Count Valdmir adjusted the gold link which held his cuff and surveyed the effect of his immaculate evening costume critically. From head to foot, it was beyond reproach. His valet gathered up the debris of rejected ties and unsatisfactory shirts, and remarked tentatively, "'The old gentleman, sir. He has waited a long time.' "'You may bring him in.' Colonel St. John had waited patiently in the small reception-room for an hour or more. The air of debonair assurance he had worn so haughtily that morning had quite departed, leaving in its stead a nervous depression in his customary manner of furtive obsequiousness.' So he returned Count Valdmir's greeting depreciatingly, and at once announced his errand. "'I have brought the papers,' he said, producing a package from his coat-pocket. "'Ah,' said the Russian, "'that is well.' He held them reflectively, studying the outer wrapper carefully. "'Rustchuk, confidential,' he read slowly. "'This looks promising, Colonel. Where did you get it?' Colonel St. John hesitated. "'It is a long story, Count.' As I said this morning, I need your assistance. My position is most embarrassing. I have not time to hear you now, said Count Valdmir, impatiently, looking at his watch, nor to examine the papers. I have an important engagement at ten. After all, it does not matter where they came from, nor how you procured them, provided they are genuine. If not, Colonel, well, we won't discuss the result. Putting the package in his desk, he turned the key carefully. "'I am going out,' he remarked suggestively, producing a fur-lined overcoat. "'I think, Colonel, you will soon be at liberty to leave America. Our work is almost completed. Next week, at the latest, I hope to send in my report to my government. You will receive an adequate reward, although not perhaps as large as you secured from the Hertford case.' The old man winced perceptibly. "'Count,' he said hurriedly, "'I am watched. I feel it.' "'Ah!' replied the Russian indifferently. Doubtless, you have become quite a public character, Colonel, and must expect these annoyances. I have myself to-day employed an agent whom I can trust to shadow you, and prevent you from again committing the indiscretion of this morning. No doubt it was he who followed you to-night. There was a malignant hatred in the glance Colonel St. John shot from beneath his lowered eyelids at his companion, and his hand clinched angrily. Come, said Valdmir authoritatively, I am going out, and have no idea of leaving you alone in my apartments. Go home. He spoke very much as though his dog had followed him against his will. Yes, said the old man dejectedly. I am going, Count. The figure which crept down the stairs was stooped and feeble, and did not suggest the erect, well-clad form which had surprised Mr. Rivers earlier in the day by emerging from the octagon house. Colonel St. John had aged perceptibly in a few hours, and as he retraced his steps, he glanced from side to side in evident apprehension. "'When he opens them,' he muttered, "'my God, when he opens them!' Count Valdmir, having disposed of his guest, walked rapidly along, enjoying the keen air of the winter's night. Overhead were myriads of stars, and underfoot the pavement glistened with a powdering of snow. It had sleeted in the afternoon, and the parks through which he passed were transformed into fairyland, where every leaf and twig was outlined in a transparent covering which glittered and shone beneath the electric lights. 
Count Valdmir's pulses throbbed unaccountably as he walked, and his mind was not occupied with the interview just ended with Colonel St. John. Instead, he thought exultantly of the interview yet to come with Colonel St. John's daughter, and quickened his pace that he might be punctual. Meanwhile, Mrs. Redmond, in her dressing-room, turned slowly from the mirror. "'That will do, Josephine,' she said reluctantly. Josephine breathed a relieved sigh and stepped back to admire her work. Never in all her experience had she found her mistress so difficult to please. One gown after another had been tried and rejected, and her best efforts as to coiffure had failed to prove satisfactory. Josephine had not suggested rouge to-night, for Mrs. Redmond's cheeks alternately glowed and paled after the manner of the opals in her jewel-case, and her eyes shone brilliantly beneath her black brows. Josephine straightened a fold of the lace which veiled the pale pink undershirt, and looked critically at the result. The gown was long and clinging in effect, a demi-toilette of lace and soft silk. The sleeves, open to the shoulder, fell away from the arms in a misty cloud of lace, and the white breast and throat were framed in the same filmy material. The French maid clasped her hands ecstatically. "'Madame is ravishing!' she exclaimed. "'Now, if she would but consent to the opal about her neck, it would be complete. The one stone, madame, it is necessary.' And the opal upon its glittering string of diamonds added an effective finishing touch. "'Now,' remarked Josephine triumphantly, "'madame is indeed irresistible.' "'I hope so, I am sure,' replied Mrs. Redmond, involuntarily as she passed into her sitting-room, with its rose-shaded lights and glowing fire. It seemed to Count Waldmere, when he entered a few moments later, that the room was an appropriate setting for the woman who stood at the window, looking out into the street, one arm holding back the heavy curtain and showing round and white against the dark velvet. "'Ah!' she exclaimed softly, turning from the window. "'You have come. I was watching for you.' "'I am not late,' he said, taking her outstretched hand. "'I lingered on the doorstep until my watch crawled round to ten. "'How slowly it moved! "'But it was the appointed hour, so I waited for it. "'And I,' said she, "'waited also. "'Tell me,' he said eagerly, "'are you glad to see me? "'Am I, for once, welcome? "'Let me look into your eyes and read my answer there. "'They are such truthful eyes. "'I doubt if they could lie.' but as he bent over her the dark lashes were lowered instinctively. "'I wanted you to come,' she whispered. "'I wanted you.' "'Little hands,' he said, drawing her towards him. "'Little hands. See how easily I hold them both in one of mine.' "'Come,' she said, gently withdrawing them. "'Let us be comfortable. Talk to me. Say pleasant things. I want to be diverted to-night.' She seated herself beside the fire, and the Russian leaned over the back of her chair, his eyes alight with that other fire which of late had often smoldered there. "'So you are watching for me,' he said. "'For me?' "'I have watched for you before, Count. Often.' "'Tonight,' he continued, his breath stirring the hair about her ears. "'Tonight. This one hour is mine. You are not Mrs. Redmond. You are not Estelle St. John.' You are the Countess Waldmere. The Countess Waldmere, she repeated. And do you love her, your Countess? Is she more to you than anything in life? In life or death, Estelle. Ha, ah, you frown. May I not call my Countess by her name? By any name, to-night. I have waited, 
he said eagerly. I have been patient, and at last I have my reward. See, your color varies. It is your heart, and to-night it throbs for me. For you, she said. For you, to-night. In Russia, he continued, I have estates where I am unquestioned master, but the castles beyond the steps have no mistress, and I have no home. Very soon I shall be recalled, for my mission is drawing to a close. He paused and knelt upon the tiger-skin rug beside her. I do not wish to return alone, he said slowly. A red, hot flush stained her face and breast, faded and left her white and trembling. Hush, she exclaimed, hush. I want you, he resumed, more than anything in heaven or earth. I want you. More than fame, she interrupted. More than official honor. More than the glory of court life, the friendship of the Tsar. More than life itself, he replied quickly, and I mean to have you, star of the world. Don't, she said, her brow contracting. Don't. The old name is painful, then. Listen, Estelle, I can make you happy. From me you have nothing to conceal, no secret to eat away your heart, no specter of the past to shadow you. Together we would bury it. Together, begin a new life. You are strong, she interrupted, her eyes fixed on the little French clock on the mantel. And we are weak sometimes, we women. We need support. And I can love, he said impetuously. Ah, what would I not do for the woman who has returned that love? The fire blazed up brightly, and the little clock ticked hurriedly, as though, indeed, it were working against time. "'What would you do for her?' she whispered, leaning towards him. "'Tell me, what would you do if she loved you, if she went back to Russia with you, to the castles beyond the steps?' "'Home,' he said softly. "'Home, Estelle.' "'What would you do for her?' she persisted. Would you give up for her sake all that you have been at so much trouble to procure? Would you return to Russia and acknowledge failure? A test, Count, a test. Would your love survive it? Count Valmir sprang to his feet and walked hurriedly up and down the room. Mrs. Redmond rose also and stood watching him, her figure tense and rigid, and her fingers tightly interlaced. The price is high, he said, pausing before her. Very high. She straightened herself suddenly and moved a step or two towards him. The loose lace sleeves fell away from the white arms, and the small head with its weight of dark hair was held proudly erect, as though conscious of its value. "'The price is high,' he repeated, his eyes upon the figure before him. "'Well,' she said haughtily, "'what of that? Am I not worth it?' The diamonds about her throat shot forth a hundred rays, and the opal pendant gleamed scarlet as it caught the light. "'Worth it?' he cried passionately. "'Aye, that and more, much more.' And the little clock upon the mantel struck eleven sharply, as though glad to have it over with. "'The time is up,' she said. "'Your hour, Count, has ended.' "'But my life has just begun,' he answered. "'There are details to arrange, much to discuss.' When may I see you again? Estelle, I want to say good night. He put his arm about her waist and drew her gently towards him. Your lips, he said, are mine. With a swift, unexpected movement she slipped away from him. You are too late, Count, too late. Your hour has passed, and you must go. Another time. Count Valdemir's face darkened and his brows contracted. 
"'It is my right,' he said. "'Not yet,' she replied breathlessly. "'Your privilege, perhaps, if I choose to grant it, "'but not yet your right, Count Valdmir.' "'He turned towards the door, white and angry. "'I shall not ask the privilege again,' he said shortly. "'It waits you at my rooms. "'I also have my price. "'I do not desire to give all and receive nothing.' "'Ah,' she said, holding out her hand appealingly, "'do not go away angry. "'If I have hurt you, I am sorry. "'I will see you again, but now the time passes quickly. "'It is not safe for you to stay. "'I will let you know when next you may come, "'and we will talk over our plans and my request. "'It is the only stipulation I shall make.' "'Count Valdmir's eyes narrowed, "'as he grasped her hand almost roughly. "'If you want me,' he said brusquely, you must come to me. Do you understand? I also can stipulate. I am not a safe plaything for a woman unless she proves herself sincere. And if she proves it, Count, to your satisfaction? If she puts aside the conveniences and comes at your bidding, comes to you gladly, as her privilege and your right, what then? Then, he said softly, Ah, then, Estelle, she has but to request. There is nothing I will not do. The blazing log smoldered and fell apart, sending a shower of sparks upward to mark its dissolution. You will tell me, he said, bending towards her, when I may expect. The Countess Waldmere, she finished softly. End of chapter 24